Hello, I'm Moira Fay, and welcome to the Dublin Business Collective sponsored by SSE Airtricity. The podcast where we get together and jump into the minds of some of Ireland's most famous and inspirational business owners, founders and entrepreneurs. So welcome to the very first episode of our new podcast. And I'd like to start by telling you a little story. For though, for though, in 1695, to be specific, there was a ship, the Oozle Galley. She was a merchant ship that set sail from Ring's End, bound for the Ottoman Empire on a trading mission. But the ship went missing and three years later was declared lost at sea with all hands. But plot twist, two years later in 1700, the Oozle mysteriously sailed up the River Liffey with her full crew, a valuable cargo of spices, exotic goods and pirate loot. Happy days, you might think. A ship returned safe and sound with her crew intact and pirate loot. Great. However, it wasn't quite that simple. Five years was a long time. Wives who had thought they were now widows had remarried. Families had changed. Insurance policies for 37 crew and three officers had been cashed in. Oh, and there was this small matter of a merchant ship full of cargo and pirate loot. Who owned it? It was a bit of a mess. So, a group of Dublin merchants got together to try and sort it out all fairly. Protect the people, protect the traders, and protect the businesses. That group of merchants and traders came together as a committee and recognised the need for a unified voice to represent the city's business interests. And so you can see where I'm going with this. That committee would eventually become the Dublin Chamber of Commerce. And that unified voice is still needed today. The voice of business must be heard, and Dublin Chamber is here to amplify So here we are, amplifying business voices again, but this time on a brand new podcast. We have been running best-in-class thought leadership events for decades. And this podcast is an opportunity for us to get together, jump into the minds of some of Ireland's most famous business owners, founders and entrepreneurs. A chance to hear what inspires, what motivates and what lessons have been learned along the way. At Dublin Chamber, we proactively support business in all sorts of ways. Networking, collaboration, idea sharing, lobbying, thought leadership, education, training, advisory, representation and so much more. I've been with Dublin Chamber for almost 20 years. Sometimes I feel like I was on that ship. And I've always, always loved hearing the stories of startups and new businesses. I love hearing the real life voices behind those real entrepreneurial adventures. I wonder if it's because I myself grew up the daughter of a business owner, a self-made self-starter. I was there for the wins, the losses, the success and the pressure. I grew up thinking that going out on your own with an idea and determination was the ultimate flex, the ultimate bold and brave move. And I still do. I have been so lucky that over the years, my job has brought me face to face with people who are the epitome of entrepreneurial grit, determination and vision. People whose stories I will never forget and people whose stories I want you to hear. I've seen the face and faces of business and entrepreneurship change so much over the years. I've seen the super boom of new industries and the supernova of others all up close. And I've seen a surge of incredible female entrepreneurs blazing a trail for women and girls in Irish business today. Which smoothly brings me to today's guest. (music) 
Today we are at the heart of health. I am so delighted to be sitting here today with Una O'Hagan, qualified pharmacist and owner and managing director of Mars Pharmacy Group. The Mars Group consists of nine pharmacies in Dublin and a thriving online store serving customers worldwide. Mars has been recognised as one of Ireland's great places to work and Una herself was named Businesswoman of the Year 2023 by Irish Tatler and was a finalist in the incredibly prestigious Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Awards 2021. Una is passionate about promoting and championing other female business owners and has mentored as a lead entrepreneur as part of the stellar Going for Growth programme. Wow. And so, to tell us her story in her own words, Una, welcome. Thank you so much for being my first guest. Oh, what an honour. <laughs> oh my goodness, what an intro. Thank you very much. <laughs> you didn't think you'd be arriving here on a ship today. No, I did not. I did not. <laughs> well, look, we'll, I, I'd love to just jump right into it. So, um, from being a pharmacist to becoming one of Ireland's most respected business leaders, you've built a thriving Irish brand and and as an independent brand, you're really disrupting the healthcare space and the retail um, space in, in healthcare. So for any listeners who would be unfamiliar with the Mars story, would you mind just taking us back to the beginning? Oh yeah, no problem. Um, so yeah, as you say, I'm a qualified pharmacist. So I, I hail from County Tyrone, from the hills of um, the Spurn Mountains. And I came to Dublin to study pharmacy. And I was initially planning to study medicine, but um, I changed my mind last minute because I'm scared of needles. <laughs> and so I realised I perhaps would not be a great doctor. So I changed very last minute to pharmacy. So it was never a big dream to be a pharmacist or to enter pharmacy at all. But I did I did really and have always loved science. Um, so now looking back, it probably makes much better sense for me to be a pharmacist and be working um, in growing a business than it would have been in, in terms of just working as a GP or in the medical profession per se. So so yeah, I so I did four years in Trinity um, and at that time it was a four-year degree course and a year where you worked under the guidance of a tutor. And I happened to live on Bagot Street um, in Bagot Court with some other fellow Northerners and I used to borrow books for different exams from Pierce Marr on on Bagot Street. So I'd be popping into him to borrow various reference books for my exams and one day I asked him would he be my tutor pharmacist and thankfully he said yes and after I finished in Trinity I spent a full year with him and he taught me like literally everything I know in terms of particularly looking after customers and doing a huge amount of work um, within the community. He was incredibly inspirational and um, and I loved the time that I spent with him. And probably from the very first day that I worked in, in his pharmacy, I dreamt of owning it, to be honest. Okay. From the very moment I crossed the threshold, there was something, you know, something about the heritage, something about what they do within the community, even way back then, that really appealed to me. And it had been his mum's pharmacy since 1920. So it had been, a, you know, a community farm for that length of time. They lived above it. Um, and it was just that it was very different, I could see, to any other community pharmacy that I had ever gone in to pick up bits and pieces. Something magical about it. So I suppose all that year, I always thought, you know, wouldn't it be amazing that, you know, this could be mine, you know. And on my last day, I asked him, you know, if you're ever selling the pharmacy, would you let me know? Um, because I, I sort of hemmed and hawed about asking him that question all throughout that year and I never had the courage to do so. 
And I never, I didn't want to leave, to be honest. And I yeah. asked him, would he, could I stay on and even pack up the shelves or do anything? But he had another intern starting. But anyway, I think just because I was so upset that day and I didn't want to leave, he said, yeah, of course I'll let you know. Um, <laughs> and four years later, you know, I got that call wow. and he was, you know, selling the business. Um, he had an offer on the table. It was from a multinational at that time. And I think there was something in him that wanted to keep it in Irish hands. Um, and so, you know, he told me that what the offer was. And he said, if you can match it, I'll, I'd rather keep it in Irish hands. And um, and of course, I was a student. It was only four years. I was only just qualified. I still paid off my student loan. I didn't have a bean. <laughs> um, but I was absolutely determined. I knew that this was the opportunity. I, I remember phoning my mum even that night and saying, guess what? I'm going to own this pharmacy. And she was like, where are you going to come up with the money? Like, you don't have any money, we, you know, and we're not from like a wealthy yeah. family or anything. So, um, but, you know, I, I knocked on loads of doors and eventually I got, um, I got to meet um, the bankers who would support me. And basically they just said, listen, come along with a copy of your business plan. I didn't even know what a business plan was because in pharmacy, of course, we don't we don't study business. We study pharmacy. But I created a business plan, went in and gave it gusto. And thankfully, they said that they would back me. And I'll rem never forget the day that I got the keys and walked in and the dream came true. So and then we've just, I suppose, grown the business from that one traditional pharmacy to nine today. Um, but really, uh, we set up the online business back in 2014 um, on the back of customer feedback, really. And how do we because we're always surveying our customers to find out how else we can improve their lives or what else would they like to see from us? And there was an overwhelming amount of customers back then looking for a convenience, yeah. um, you know, solution, really, because we we have a lot of pharmacies within city centre. And at that time, you know, it's all very changed now, but people were queuing for sandwiches and coming in and just didn't have the time to be queuing again in, in our business. And so we were looking for a click and collect model and was set up originally to be that. OK, um, but that has obviously changed and grown legs. And yeah, and now we're delivering to over 70 countries all over the world. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I had written down here to say, you know, to ask you who was a role model or, or an, ins you know, particular inspiration for you. And but I mean, I think I think Pierce probably yeah. was one of them. Is there anyone yeah. else who was? Yeah, he certainly was in terms of because I'd never worked in a pharmacy before. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of people who study pharmacy their parents may have had a pharmacy or they worked, yeah. you know, part time or whatever. I never had a role model working within pharmacy. And, and so my perception of community pharmacy was probably very different to what the reality was. So he was a huge inspiration in terms of the work that community pharmacies do, not just to do with medicines, but actually to do with advice, support, um, you know, help and patients and their families as well yeah. through very difficult times. So he definitely... Um, has been a huge um, role model for me in terms of how we approach, um, you know, patients and, and what we do within the community. Um, and then I would say my mum actually is a huge um, inspiration. And she like I mean, she didn't have her own business. She's very much an entrepreneur, um, but she ran um, a, a huge factory 
um, of making bras really for Marks and Spencers. Oh. Um, f- so it was a, an, a UK manufacturing company called Courtauld's Lingerie. And they had four plants in Northern Ireland and lots around the UK as well. Yeah. But at that time, she was leading a group of, it was mainly females who were the machinists. I think there was one man who was engineer in the whole place, but it was like probably 200 women coming together. And at that time, we grew up in, you know, in the north of Ireland. Troubles were at their height. So she was bringing women together across the political divide to come in and work together in order to produce a quality product out the other end. Um, and, you know, she was very inspiring to me in terms of how she did that, how she got the best out of people, um, how she would nurture talent. And and many, many women who came to work there, you know, maybe did not necessarily believe in themselves, didn't have the confidence yeah. uh, in themselves. But she spotted things in, in people Amazing. and you, she could nearly predict who were going to be the leaders, who were going to be the supervisors, who were going to be the team leaders, who's going to be her yeah. replacement and and who went on from that environment to do amazing things so she definitely is a huge inspiration for me in terms of how do you get the best out of people yeah how do you inspire a team to work together um she won so many awards in terms of quality and productivity um across that whole business and and she's she was always pushing for improvements always very innovative in terms of new product development and and pushing that on so whilst i didn't recognize it growing up just spending time and watching her and observing her, I do now know that that she has been a huge influence in my life. Definitely, I think that definitely happens the older you get and you reflect back. Yeah, you exactly. Know, everything you that see. was hidden in plain sight. Yes, exactly. And do you think the way that you've spoken about your mother and her influence has just been so such? She's been such a, a positive and powerful influence. Do you think that that maybe steered? Um, the passion that you have for working with women in business and for... No doubt. Yeah, yeah no doubt. I think that, um, you know, and I, I recall conversations. So because when I finished school, I would go down and spend a few hours with her. I'd be like sharpening her pencils in her office. And, <laughs> you know, and I could see how she would adapt her or her own behaviour, depending on who was coming to, to have a conversation yeah. with her in the office. Like it's highly inappropriate now. Like I wouldn't have my child sitting in, in, in an office, whatever. But at that time she'd be having conversations w- w- with women and how she would approach situations to get to get them to think uh, to believe in themselves really and yeah. and and they might have been having difficult circumstances at home or they could have been having difficult circumstances with a team member on the floor and how she would approach that and motivate them and get them determined so that you know they'd be walking out of the office saying I can do this yeah I can do this I could see the change in women from coming in to going out and I used to think how did you do that? That is magical. If you could bottle that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I definitely think that that has led me definitely in terms of that mentorship piece. Um, she was a huge mentor to a lot of women. And I get stopped on the street still at home now with women coming to me and saying, you know, this, uh, can I introduce myself? To, and, you know, I used to work with your mum and she did X, Y and Z. Like things outside That's of amazing. work, you know, that like I remember one woman recently stopping me and she, she had had, a, a, um, you know, a second baby and she had been going through a really difficult time and had postnatal depression and a mum going and getting her up out of bed in the morning after yeah. she had opened the kind of factory and kind of set everything out. And getting her back into the workplace and, and you know, her telling me all of that story and how that meant to her and as a result what has happened and the actual life journey that she has taken in helping other women in that now. So just that one thing 
and how mum has done that has actually led to a huge knock-on domino effect, I guess, yeah. for so many other women. I mean, I think something that even we see in the chamber is support will always lead to empowerment. It will mm. always lead to, it'll always lead somewhere positive. Mm. And, and actually on that, um, because I've noticed myself from observing your career in the non-creepy way, mm. um, you know, you have long championed Irish brands. And when yeah. you go on to the Mars website, it yeah. is brilliant to see that there is such a strong Irish presence. Mm-hmm. And it's also wonderful to see that so many of these brands are led by women mm-hmm. as well. But was that, was that a conscious decision? Was that particularly important to have that Irish presence yeah. in, in Mars? Yeah, for sure. Well, like, we're so proud to be Irish, you know? We're so proud to be Irish. We're so proud of who we are as a company. Um, and I have seen so many Irish entrepreneurs, and you're right, a lot of them led by females, coming in and pitching an idea and just being so passionate about it, but maybe not knowing how to get the product onto shelf. Not Not maybe they're like they don't have the skill set on the branding or they don't have the skill set on even the price point or how to get to market. And we have that experience, do you know, so we can help them. So they've got this amazing passion for the product and the reason why they've got into it and and the creative piece in that. And if they don't get steered correctly, you know, can all fall over if they don't have the right package and the right price point. So I feel really passionately about supporting other people on that journey because they're part of our journey and we're part of their journey. It's, a, it's about collaboration. And there's nothing that gives me more pride than seeing that product actually get onto shelf and knowing that we have helped them behind the scenes to make that happen. Um, and the more that we do that, I guess, the more um, the more experience we have in that and the more that we have seen people make wrong mistakes and we can share that with them. Nobody else is going to share the, 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 that information with them, but we can give them that kind of information, which fast tracks them being able to scale, get the product onto shelf, being able to scale, being able to get export. And like we have amazing innovation in this country, mm-hmm. amazing products, high quality products that can compete on any global stage. So it's actually even about getting them to think bigger now and thinking about getting off the island and champion Ireland as a brand then as well. And also, I think it's really important to know, and I suppose this comes back to my work with, you know, SMEs in general or entrepreneurship and even in being involved in the task force with government. You know, it's not just about supporting that brand. It's about supporting the local community where that product is produced. So, like, you know, the raw materials that go into that usually come from Ireland, come from a community. So you're actually supporting that whole, that supply chain and you're supporting the jobs in that community as well. So you're supporting the people who work in those factories, you're supporting their families, you're supporting communities across the island of Ireland. So it's not just about, actually, we want to support the leader of that organisation. It's the domino effect that that has for the country. And like, this country is made up of SMEs. We are the lifeblood. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So we need to shout more about that. Sometimes we put so much focus on the the large organisations that we can attract entirely, which is amazing and talks to our people and innovation in this country. But actually, SMEs are the lifeblood of this country Um, and they go to the fabric of every community. And that's a sustainable growth model. Absolutely. It's circular. It's it's supportive. Mm -hmm. It's um, and it's something we yeah, we definitely need to need to see to see more of. 
And and we know where that product is coming from then as exactly. well, which is really yeah. important from customer point of view. So we like champion, you know, if you think about some of the vitamins and, and supplements like Revive is made here in Ireland. Yeah. We know the people behind that. We yes. know where it's packaged. We know the raw ingredients. We know the formulation. We know the people who come up with the formulation and the why. We can speak to them. Yeah. So it's not faceless anymore. It's about trust, actually. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's a truly collective approach. It's absolutely it's, it's brilliant to see and and something as you say that if the bigger group like it's something that we'd love to see more of. On that, with regards to the biggest group, so the, I mean the the Irish pharmacy industry is competitive, mm-hmm. um, but Mars does stand out. It it does. Um, so. Is, was there anything in particular that you had to strategize about making it a successful independent brand in the market? Um, I think how our business kind of stands out is it's back to the model that we have. It's, you know, we're not a supermarket model. So we obviously have a lot of multinationals with the bigger supermarket types, you know, chains here in mm-hmm. Ireland. And, and very often what I find there is it is very product led. So a self-select kind of model. You know, what what I feel is, you know, we, we all stock the same products at the end of the day, you know, other than a few niche products or brands or whatever. But if you and I always say this like to our team, if you're in Donnybrook Fair on Baggett Street and you have to get something um, for a child or for a partner who is sick or yourself even and you're crossing the road, there's a choice of coming to us or there's coming to a multinational. And really what mix, I feel, that makes the customer make that decision is, is actually about the people. Yeah. Okay, Because the product is available in both locations. Um, th- you know, we can look the same in terms of the environment. It's actually the people. It's actually the advice. It's the trust. It's back to trust. It's back to people. So if you think about that, then our model is very people-led. It's very um, advice-led. Um, and so we put a huge amount of effort then as a result of that into recruiting the right people, um, having the right, uh, I suppose, that empathy, that care, um, that trust, that training so that we are always because con- like things in pharmacy move so fast. There's new products out all the time. There's new services out all the time. So we have to keep up with the training of our people all the time. And we put a huge amount of investment into that. So we're advice led. And from that, that dictates, I suppose, what we do internally to make sure that we are delivering the best class service, I suppose, for our customers. And then we have a very proactive approach to healthcare, I guess, because, you know, and, and we can probably talk about some of the challenges, but way back like years ago, whenever we were kind of going, who are we as a business? Where do we want to go? What is the vision here for us? Yeah. Um, I really feel very strongly, and when we surveyed our customers, actually, customers were telling us, we come to you, and we've seen this so many times in different formats coming back, we come to you in order to stay well, because you give us the advice to make sure that we don't get sick. Or we can't afford to be sick, so that's why we come in to see you, so that we don't get sick. And this is a time at the financial crisis when we did a lot of surveying about, you know, where we were kind of feeling, what direction are we taking in all of this? And that was the nugget of, I suppose, resounding feedback from our customers that people would say. Because people would come in often with competitors' brands, products, you know, with shampoos and conditioners yeah. in it. But then they come to us for their prescriptions and come to us for their medicines. So why would they go to another pharmacy, collect, you know, three for twos, whatever, and then walk? 
you know, a distance to come to us for, I suppose, what really matters, which is their health care. Absolutely. So and really what they were saying is we come to you in order to stay well. So we have taken a very proactive approach to health then as a result of that. So what we want to see as a business and what we really focus on is trying to turn the dial away from sickness and much more towards health. So we want people to view a pharmacy as not just a place where you go to when actually you've been diagnosed with something or you have a prescription because you're not well. We want people to come in to see us to get information and, and, and get that advice and that knowledge to feel empowered about making much more informed decisions around their health in order to stay well. I love that proactive yeah. approach of staying well. I, yeah. I I love that. As you say, it's more positive. It's kind of looking after yourself now and... Yeah, before you get sick. And yeah. Before you get sick. What I wanted to say, uh, we, we've touched on it before, is that um, Mars very successfully uh, expanded beyond physical stores uh, mm-hmm. into the competitive and yet essential world of Mm -hmm. (laughs) e-commerce. So, I mean, would you say that it was a key factor in Mars growth or did it all just kind of sit alongside? And, you know, I'd I'd love to know because I think that the digital journey that Mars has had, as I said, I I feel you're very present online. I think, I, you know, I'm, I'm a regular customer myself. I love all the little, you know, the, the tabs, the advice. It's easy to shop, too easy to shop. <laughs> um, but was that was that a strategy? Was, was there an end game for the digital side of your business to become as big as it did? Um, yeah, I, well, I think that um, it started off not having the vision it has today. Uh, but very quickly, we realised actually you know, this was going to be a major growth area in the business. So it started off, as I said, um, because of our customer feedback. We're always serving our customers and customers were telling us that they wanted an option. And it was really around convenience. They weren't telling us they wanted an e-commerce option. They were just saying that we don't have the time to queue. And if we knew you had the product and it would be already there and we could have it paid for, that would save us time. So it started on that basis. So us trying to look after our customers better, more conveniently, more efficiently. And it was really Baggett Street and Barrow Street customers were telling us that. And that's what we set up initially to do. And this was way back in 2014 when everybody told me I was absolutely crazy for even going down this route. There was, I think there was one other online pharmacy in Ireland. There was nobody else. And so there was very little skill set out there in terms of us figuring out how we even do this. Um, But we were determined to do it because customers were asking for it. And we we tend to listen to our customers and there's something in that. So we set that up. But very quickly, whenever we did that, then we started telling people about this is a service we can provide. And then customers were coming from other stores that we might, might not necessarily had that click and collect option and ask him, well, can we have it too? And then that had a ripple effect where other people who weren't shopping with us beforehand, and I'm talking about down in Galway or up in Donegal, were saying, well, we would like that product too because we were now saying, well, we have, here's some examples of what we can do. And they were looking for it. So suddenly it became fully transactional. And I mean, within a matter of months. And once then we started to do that, you know, I guess we're a small SME business at the end of the day. We don't have the budgets, the market and budgets that some of our multinational uh, friends have 
in terms of we, we didn't have any budget for TV or radio at the time or anything like that. So we had to find a new way to get that message out, I suppose, to market that and to tell our customers and potential new customers the service and the products that we had. And we used social media a lot to do that initially at the beginning. We didn't really focus on social media until we had an e-commerce site. That became, I suppose, our voice. And and then so, suddenly we realised, actually... What we're building here in social is actually just a community. It's just a people to interact. And now we don't really look at it as like a marketing channel. It is like our most loyal customers interact with us on a daily basis on social. So we use it as almost them talking to us at the counter and asking for our advice. But we're doing that in a digital sense. So I guess as as time went on, we realised actually this is very interesting um, actually, we're looking at this different, like it's not like it's a new platform. It's actually just serving customers in a different way. Wow. It's providing customers yeah. because, you know, if you think about it in your own customer behavior, sometimes you like going into store, don't you? And you like, you know, having a browse and picking up things and, and whatnot and feeling and touching things. And then some days you, you don't have the time for that, actually. Yeah. And you you know what you need. So, you know, it, Clicking online is more, much more convenient. Or say, if it's raining and you don't want to go out or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's actually, you're just trying to serve the customer in a different way. And that's where we kind of, like, I suppose in the last pre-even COVID, we were taking a very omni-channel approach to this. So we're still looking after the customer, but just in a different format. And how can we do that better, depending on what's going on in their daily life? And then I guess COVID happened. And... And because we had invested so much in the infrastructure, the skill set, the resourcing, um, the warehousing, all of the platforms and everything, and because we were fortunate to have done that pre-COVID, we kind of had made all of a lot of our mistakes. We had a lot of learnings. And so we could scale it at mass throughout COVID whenever people were really looking for that yeah. as a solution. Um, and that's when, I suppose, the whole international piece really took off for us yeah. because then people outside of Ireland were looking for this solution, say, on Google or on social, whatever, and we're coming across our brand. And then it is about delivering for the customer in a way, because so many online businesses, I know myself even as a consumer, sometimes you send an order and you hear nothing from that, you know, from that online business or there's not even a thank you for your order or if things are delayed, they don't communicate with you. We tend to... Have, what we're trying to do is bring what we do in stores in, into online. So it is very, I guess, touchy-feely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> very friendly. It's anything but faceless. Um, we, you know, our online customer service um, team, you go above and beyond for our customers online. We're always trying to solve the problem. We don't have that approach where it's the customer's fault. Like we'll do yeah. any lengths. And, and from that, then that, that builds loyalty, builds I guess. Loyalty. It's about trusting the brand and, and us yeah. not remaining faceless. Speaking of taking care of the customer and looking after them, you have yourself such a presence and expertise in the health and advice advisory space I can't not take a little opportunity to ask um, for you to share maybe some of your wisdom with us we were chatting just before the recording about everyone being back we're busier than ever and you know I suppose over the last few years we all sat down and we said no we're going to understand what work-life balance is we're going to everything's going to be different now everything's everything's going to change and you know there's still we've, we've you know we've gone back with the best of intentions there's still not enough hours in the day and I just wanted to know if maybe you had just maybe even three tips of if there's a way for us to look after our healthcare proactively and be able to do what we want to do, but uh, 
as you say, stay well. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, listen, I think we should view your health probably, I would say, like a jigsaw puzzle. There's all there's lots of different pieces to this and there's no point focusing on just one piece because that's not going to get you your optimum health. So we talk a lot about having that approach of like looking at nutrition, looking at sleep, looking at exercise, looking actually at the whole spiritual piece as well, like, you know, which actually that emotional health and looking, you know, because don't forget your emotions lead to your feelings, which lead to a release of chemicals in your body and really, you know, and that manages if you can control all of that, you can control your response to, say, stress and anxiety and so on and so forth. So it's looking at all of these pieces and not just throwing everything at the exercise piece or everything at the nutrition piece. So I think the big thing for me is you know, nutrition is key. How we look at food um, should be like we should be looking at our, at our food as our medicine, our daily medicine. Um, and it is like the biggest learning I've had in all of my time is are how processed foods and what we are consuming on a day to day basis. And I can understand why we do that. And I certainly have done it myself as well from a convenience point of view. Um, but the, the amount of additives and emulsifiers and everything that we're consuming is having a detrimental effect to our health. There's no question about that. Um, so looking at food and nutrition, that's one thing. I would say then exercise and movement and daily exercise. And there's no exact regime for everybody. Everybody is different. So I just find like find what you love to do in all of that. And and don't look at exercise as staying fit. Sometimes it's, you know, sometimes particularly in my stage of life and you're going through menopause, weight bearing exercise is really important for your bone health and for other aspects of your health. So you need to look at exercise differently as well. Sleep is probably the biggest thing that I see. You know, we need to understand what actually happens when we sleep and how important it is to get into deep sleep and, and so on and so forth uh, and get a better understanding and champion actually prioritising our sleep and the impact that that has. And then the, obviously there's a whole rule of supplementation. Like if you're not eating correct, you know, maybe you're, you've decided that you're um, going to um, embark on a vegan journey well, then you're going to be lacking certain, you know, certain uh, vitamins and minerals. So you need to be thinking about supplementation when it comes to that. And then the whole thing about gut health, like I'm a huge ambassador of gut health simply because I've had chronic IBS all my life. But having really good gut health is not necessarily even to do with your digestive health. It just is a foundation for everything in your body because your gut is linked to your mental health, your skin health, your immune health. Everything. So if you even get that bit right, you're going to feel a hell of a lot healthier. And then that emotional bit for me is really important as well. So just having a think about what are you doing in order to mind the stress in your life? First of all, I love that it's a holistic approach. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a fully rounded approach. And so I suppose... Whilst we're talking about that and and support, and I'm I'm while I'm picking your brain, yeah. um, maybe I'll wrap it up by asking you, if you had one particular golden piece of advice for an aspiring entrepreneur, that person who wants to take that big step and buy a pharmacy, <laughs> 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 or or someone who has that idea, who someone who wants to take that leap, or maybe someone who has just started out, um, mm -hmm. is there one particular? Is there one particular thing that you would say? Is it, you know, is it find a mentor? Is it, you know, what what would what would you say is the, the key thing? Well, well, first of all, I would say, like, listen to your inner voice. If there's something in you saying, something, a little nugget in you always saying, you know, you'd love to do something. Like, we're only here for a short time, you know? We're only here for a short time. So 
I think the last survey I read, there was a piece, a survey I read that 85% of people are in jobs that they do not like, you know, wow. and they're unhappy in their roles. Like, that's so sad for me. That's an enormous stat. That's huge. It's huge. So, you know, you got to find, I think for me, if you're in a job or you're, you know, in a business or you're doing your own thing where you're happy. Um, then you will be the best that you can be at that. You you know, it will not feel like work. Like, I love what I do. It don't, I never get up in the morning and kind of go, oh, gosh, I have to go in here, whatever. I just love what I do. And so it never feels like work. So then you always feel happy, content. You're going to give your best. There's purpose to your life, I guess. You feel like you're contributing, not just at work, but actually overall. So if there's something in you that's known at you that you feel like, you know, and it might be just a passion you love. I don't know. I'd walk in the nature. You love, you know, mixing perfumes together, whatever. Then there's something in that. And you've got to listen to your inner voice because that's where that's where you will be really successful as long as it's something that you, you feel passionate about yourself. And the biggest thing for me, and I see this all of the time in going for growth with the mentors, uh, the mentorship program I work there is what holds people back is fear. Right. And it's a fear of failure or it's a fail, fear of I'm going to lose bits and pieces. And when I look back on, on me starting in Mars, like I don't know if I would have if I could do what what I did way back then. But I didn't have fear for, for whatever reason. And I often ask, well, why did I do that at that young age? Why did I take on that huge debt? It was because. I sort of felt, well, first of all, I felt like I could definitely do it. I was com- I, I was confident in myself that I could bring something to it. But I never, my mum always would say to me, you know, if not you, then who, you know? So don't be overcome by fear because there is no mistakes. They're all just learnings. I, like I've made so many, if you want to call it, mistakes in my life. But out of all of those, I've always looked at them as what did I just learn in this? Because that has helped me pivot change direction, grow, push boundaries. I've, I've never try, stayed in the comfort zone. I, I just, it's just not me. I, I always feel like we have to be pushing ahead because there is no growth in the comfort zone. So I think if you view mistakes as learnings, yeah. then that won't hold you back and that should give you the confidence to just take the plunge and go for it. And think big. Think big, yeah. exactly. Think big. Think that, um, you know, this may not be the path to if you have a vision, I guess, and you can see yourself as being, you know, a global business. You may not take the path that you necessarily map out, but you will get there if you if you remain adamant about that vision. It may be a slightly different path. And do you know what? There's a lot of fun in that. There's a lot of yeah. learning in that. Um, and you will get there as long as you have it's a the, clear... It's the journey. It's a journey. Exactly. That's, that's it. It's not about the destination. I saw, I saw something recently that I, I really, really loved. And it said, if your goals don't scare you, they're not big enough. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's it. You know, if we're not reaching, because then it just becomes boring. Like yeah. if you set them too low, the aspiration's too low. That's we all have to aspire to, to have something. But the big thing for me is... You know, if you are going to take a step into a business, make sure it's something you love, that that you're getting into it for the right reasons. Because on the really tough days, and there will be really tough days, you know, we never seen COVID happening. And, you know, you talk about digging deep and finding that inner resilience. If it's something you're really passionate about, then you will be determined to to find a way. Well, I think 
That is an unbelievably fabulous and positive final note for us to wrap up. Thank you so, so much. Uh, I'm so happy you came in to talk to me today. I really, really am. I'm so I'm so happy that you are our first guest. So also thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed this chat and that you come back to us for more. I would be so thankful if you could help us build our community, our collective, by subscribing and sharing. And your subscriptions will help us to be found. So we thank you for your help. If you would like to learn more about Dublin Chamber, you can visit dublinchamber.ie or find us on any of our socials. I would also like to thank SSE Electricity for supporting this podcast. So apart from that, I will say I'll see you next time. Take care and see you soon.